Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and a very warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you. Two experts, one hour. It's Tuesday, the 13th of September. It is time now to introduce my guests today, our two experts on today's show here for the full hour. Joining me, Philip Pepe from Shore and Partners and Tim Haslam from Catapult Wealth. A big welcome to both of you. Now, first up today, we are looking at our pick of the day. Our first five stocks picked by you are Grain Corp, Peninsula Energy, Gold, Silver Lake Resources and the Bank of Queensland. There we go, you can see them on the screen there. But the stock of the day is Star Entertainment. Now, shares are currently in a trading hold. And in breaking news today, the casino operator has been found unsuitable to hold a casino licence in New South Wales, with the New South Wales Independent Casino Commission handing the group a show cause notice to explain why disciplinary action should not be taken against it. The casino regulator will meet again to decide whether further action should be taken against Star, which could include the loss of its license. So plenty to talk about today. This is front page news. Uh, Philip, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts around the future of Star and of course it shares? Yeah, look, interesting decision. A uh, little while coming. Uh, I suspect um, in the medium term shares will fall given that uh, there'll be some sticker shock. Um, we saw something similar with the Hain inquiry in the financial services a few years ago where the regulator delivered a pretty scathing report and a number of share prices struggled uh, for a year or so after that. So I suspect um, Star will probably suffer the same fate um, for the next three to 12 months, hard to say. We haven't seen the penalty yet, but certainly not positive news. Um, expected by some, but for many, it's probably in a too hard basket for the foreseeable future. So buy, hold or sell? It, it's a sell based on negative sentiment in the near term. There's probably easier ways to make money. Still uh, more, more to come news-wise is probably going to be negative. So in a too hard basket for me in the near term. Uh, Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, probably, it's probably cheap on valuation. It's, it's very hard to sort of speculate on what they're going to look like. I mean, on an EV EBITDA basis, they should be around 10 times. but it's really hard to look through this. Um, I will say that it seems like no matter what these casinos do, they still end up operating just because the government needs the revenue. So, you know, Crown investors, they got lucky with the takeover, right? But these guys, I'd say that besides all the regulatory noise and all the other stuff, like the new uh, casino, the Bangaroo Casino in New South Wales, well, do they need two big casinos? They're gonna be the big new one. So as much as we do expect things to come back, uh, it is a bit scary. Um, and I will say that gaming in general, it's sort of an older person thing to do. Like, I think the younger generation don't really do this much of stuff. But generally speaking, we expect that they just do a full management board rollover and start again and continue operating. But if they were to lose that license, if they were to stop to be a casino in that location, well, it's just a very expensive property asset. So for us, it's, it's too hard. I agree. Just, just avoid it. Too hard, yeah. I'm sure we're going to see um, much more in the news about this uh, over the next few weeks. And you're right, it'd be very surprising if they do lose their licence, given the government involvement. But let's get right into it. Our first stock of the day, picked by you. Now, Lindsay wants to the expert's opinion on Grain Corp. It's, of course, an Australian company with operations in grains and oil seeds across several countries. It also provides transport and marketing services. Now, its shares have been among some of the strongest performers over the past year. Uh, let's go to you first, Philip, after such a strong run. Is it too late to buy Grain Corp shares this year? What do you reckon? Uh, look, for me, it's a hold. Uh, it has had a good run. Um, it's been a, a bumper uh, winter crop in Australia, fourth highest on record, according to the latest ABES data last week. We might still get an upgrade um, for an even stronger uh, winter crop. I think we're at 55 million tonnes. Potentially, that could be a little bit higher. 
another strong summer crop forecast as well. So back to back 5 million tonnes expected. So very, very strong conditions and Grain Corp has benefited because of this exposure to volume. So it's, Grain Corp has put out three trading updates this year, each time higher. Its profits will double um, compared to last year. The question now becomes what happens when um, conditions mean revert? And they will at some stage. Um, the market or consensus is actually factoring that in and Crane Corp is trading at about fair value um, mm. based on consensus. So for me to hold, the good news is in the price. We're now waiting for the inevitable mean reversion, which might be two years away. Uh, but for now, I think Grain Corp's a hold, but keep a close watch on it because any pullback, it is, uh, it is worth owning. Okay, Tim, do you agree with Philip? Yes, same, same as well. Pretty boring a hold as well. Um, you know, we're seeing increased competition from new port operators. Um, the, it's weathered, cyclical in nature. Um, it's all about, you know, prices and volumes. Um, I mean, we do like, for us, we're a good integrated um, operating model. Um, we saw a strong recovery in EBITDA, increased margins for grain exports, um, processing EBITDA was strong, um, very strong outlook. But once again, like, the only reason why this isn't a sell for us is this Ukraine-Russian war is just not likely to end anytime soon. And as such, the, the tailwinds that they're getting including the good weather, it's just potentially there's a little bit more in it, but absolutely our view would be to lighten off. It's a cyclical stock, it's weather-based, um, very hard to predict earnings in the future. Uh, for us, it, it's, it's certainly not a buy, so happy just to sit on it for now. Okay, good stuff. Let's move on to our next stock. And Linda wants to know about Peninsula Energy. Now, it's involved in uranium extraction for a green energy future. It owns the Lance Uranium projects in Wyoming in USA. Shareholders are happy to see the share price up around 18% in the past week, but returns haven't been great over the past five years. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts? Buy, hold or sell? Uh, it's a hold. I mean, it, this is a you know relatively small, risky operation. I think if you're in this, you already know what you're in for. Um, we like the thematic though. So market cap of around 200 million. It's got around about you know, 8 million of cash, no debt, um, net loss as per the last P&L. Um, it's just very early on. Um, I will say that uranium prices have been very strong in recent times. Uranium miners could have a bit of a lithium moment where they were unloved and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the market sort of turns on them. Um, there's some indication that, that sort of the green energy stuff is a little bit too reliable. So it will be a joint effort of old and new world energy for quite some time. Um, the US is a, you know, one of the biggest uranium users in the world. They're a net importer. They import about 14% of their uranium from Russia. It's interesting when they banned Russian oil, which only accounted for about 3%, they didn't touch the uranium. So that's an interesting sign. But for us, it's just at this point in time, it's just a deposit they're looking to develop. They're in the feasibility stage. Um, the next stage is obviously very capital intensive, probably five good years until it's actually producing but decent reserves around 14 years. So it sounds interesting, happy to hold it, but you know, it's a risky, it's a risky offering. Uh, Philip, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a buy. Uh, Sharon Partners covers this stock and uh, we okay. quite like it. Uh, uranium is a controversial subject. If, if you want to go green, if you want to reduce carbon emissions, I think we need to look at uranium at some stage. The US is happy to do it. Uh, and that's one region where um, Peninsula is operating. Yeah, the feasibility study released last week was quite positive. Um, it could be a, a five years until they uh, increase production. It could be next year. There, there's a decision expected later this calendar year on the on the go no go, uh, and if they decide to go, we think that could move the share price quite materially. Uh, on consensus price targets, there's about an 80% return. Sure, that's risky, but if they decide to pull the trigger and expand the project, start producing from FY24 onwards, uh, we think there's some good upside at current level because, as Tim said, uranium prices are going higher for a reason, and this is a good way to play the uranium sector that's in a least risky region compared to some others. Yeah, talk to me a bit about the uranium sector. It's obviously uh, garnering a lot of interest at the moment. This is just one uh, of a few stocks that um, people are talking about at the moment. Yeah, I guess we look at energy costs and carbon emissions. You know, oil costs, oil prices gone up, energy costs are going up. People are talking about um, the amount of uh, the pressure on the consumer at the moment, with rising home loan rates, rising uh, uh, fuel prices, rising electricity bills. We need to address that at some stage, and there is a view out there that to reach our long-term carbon reduction targets, we need to go uranium because that is green. It is controversial in some parts of the world, but if we genuinely want to hit those targets and hit them sooner, there is a case to be made for further um, uranium exploration and development, and this is, this is a good way to play it. Uh, so for a longer term, go green, keep the cost of um, energy as low as possible. I think this is a sector you we You say need it's to look controversial at. in some areas of the world. How do you feel uh, Australians feel about it? 
I suspect we're anti it in general. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want it in Australia. It's not my area of expertise, but mm -hmm. I think I don't think we'll be early adopters. I think we'd want to see it work elsewhere before we bring it over here. Um, but I do believe that if it does work commercially and successfully, say in the US, that we would consider it over here. It can be it can be touchy, but again, um, people get their electricity bill every quarter. It's, right. not, it's not going down. <laughs> it's not going down. Tim, do you agree with Philip's sentiments? Yeah, I think I, I generally think that Australia is probably uh, more um, controversial than the US, and hence why this is probably a less risky option. But absolutely, they see there needs to be some sort of short gap in between, you know, going to full green. Uh, I, I, uranium companies consider green, but uh, in Australia, we'll see, we'll see protesters in the streets, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, some, something needs to happen. If it's not uranium, it needs to be something else. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on. And next, Bruce wants us to look at gold. Now, this is a really interesting one. Gold prices have been down, but they are kicking up a bit. Is now the time to invest in gold? The index is up 2.5% over the year. Uh, Philip, let's go to you. Talk to me about gold. Uh, one thing I know about gold is that I can't predict the gold price. <laughs> and I've had many people come to me over the years to try and predict gold, oil, copper, and no one can do it with a greater level of they just can't. It, yeah. it, 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 often it's a pure guess or you can do it short term, long term, you can't do it. So for me, no, I would not recommend investing in pure gold because I can't predict the gold price. Uh, if you have better skills than me, good luck, but it's a very risky strategy. Uh, sometimes the gold experts tell me the gold price will be up this month and it's down. Sometimes they say it'll be down and it's up. And for me, it's, that's, that's almost pure speculation. So I would avoid a single commodity play in favour of a more diversified portfolio. Uh, would you look at Perth Mint Gold? It is facing some controversy at the moment. There's an Austrack investigation over a bit of money laundering. Uh, you suggested you just wouldn't even touch gold. Is Two reasons to say no. A, yep. for that reason. Yes. <laughs> and, and B, I, I can't recommend a single commodity play. Okay. Uh, I have no expertise. And I don't believe those who claim to be experts have the expertise for one commodity, uh, for a basket of commodity perhaps, but for a single commodity with something that might be a little bit, uh, bit tarnished, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it. Uh, Tim, tell me your thoughts on gold. Yes, I agree. It, it's a coin flip, right? I think if you're holding gold in your portfolio, you're doing it for the low correlation to equities, but that, you know, in, in real big sell downs, that doesn't actually save you at all. But um, you know, talking about the ETF itself, um, it's pretty cheap, ICR 0.15%. It's a call option backed by physical bullion guaranteed by the West Australian government. You can convert it to physical gold that you can store under your house if you want, but the costs are so high, I don't know why you would do that. Um, it is relatively small, so the so one of its other big competitors, GOLD.ASX, it's got 2.6 mil of um, bum versus 650, so a little less liquid, but both ETFs just track the gold price, so it's fine, right? Um, I will say, you know, it, gold is supposed to struggle as the Fed is raising rights. The USD price of gold has been relatively flat in the last 12 months. And the USD has been so strong, that's what's just killing gold at the moment. I do think that um, it, there's a good chance the Fed might blink soon. And if so, you know, given given the situation, maybe gold can see some strength. At the moment, it's, it's all about, um, you know, it's all about real inflation-adjusted bond yields. And that's probably what's the bull side for gold. But, you know, if you think the USD is peaked and is overbought, which it potentially is, well, maybe you buy gold. Um, do you, if you think the Fed is going to eventually turn dovish, if we see a global slowdown, maybe you buy gold. But it, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a hedge, it's a, it's a coin flip, very hard. But the gold ETF itself looks fine. So buy, hold or sell, Tim? Uh, it's, it's a hold on, it's just a gold ETF. So if, you, if you're in it, you should know what you're in for. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on. And still on the resources theme, Stock 4 is from Jack and it's Silver Lake Resources. Now, this company is an Australian gold and copper production and exploration company with assets mainly in Western Australia. It recently posted fairly soft financial results. Uh, Tim, what do you reckon? Um, for us, it's a hold just because, you know, why not go for one of the bigger players? It looks fine. Um, I'd say, you know, the main factors here is the gold price itself, the Australian dollar and operating costs. From the last reporting, you know, revenues were up, but they were, they were facing costs, um, supply chain disruptions and rising costs. So net profit after tax was down 21%, EBITDA was down 8%. Um, gold miners or miners in general are facing all these, you know, transportation logistics costs. Uh, they did forecast a lower output for copper. They withdrew their guidance, which is never good. Their all in sustaining costs is relatively high compared to their peers. Um, it's mine life is relatively modest, so they, they will need to fund further exploration. Uh, but look, it's a decent market cap at 1.2 billion, so about the same as Regis. Um, strong balance sheet, 
And we've got this huge dispersion between the gold price and gold miners at the moment. So there probably is value here. Um, it's just that the gold price seems to be at resistance. Um, it's on a P of around 13.8 times, EV EBITDA of 2.8 times. But all the gold miners are on about that. They've all been smashed together, right? So um, it's just, it looks fine. Just I'd, I'd probably go with one of the bigger plays if you're going to do this. Okay, Philip, what do you think? I, I like it. I think it's a buy. I, I agree with everything Tim said. Uh, I think a lot of that's in the price, though. Just a few things I'd add. Has a very strong balance sheet with about $237 million in cash. So for a $1.2 billion market cap company to have $230 million in cash is actually quite a positive result. Uh, last year, it generated over $200 million in operating cash flow, and it's forecast the same again. Uh, our analysts are forecasting the same again in FY23. Again, $200 million operating cash flow, $1.2 million market cap. That's quite significant. And it's got $300 million tax losses um, on, off balance sheet. So there's fi- over $500 million in tax losses um, and cash uh, in a, in a $1.2 billion market cap company. Uh, that's, that's compelling value at this price. And it's got a share buyback in place, sort of putting a floor, um, if you will, under, under the share price. So yeah, a lot of the gold companies have been smashed. Perhaps um, there's at least good value in some of the bigger, more liquid stocks, but this company holds a lot of cash, generates a lot of cash, has a lot of um, tax losses, uh, and is doing a buyback. Um, I think it's worth a look um, at the current share price. So I, I think it's a buy. So a buy from you and a hold from Tim. All right, some bit of disagreement today on the floor. I like it. Let's move on to stock number five. And our viewer Tim wants to know about Bank of Queensland. The, the most recent news about BOQ is their new alliance with the tech giant Microsoft. Now the bank's CEO and CIO are counting on this deal to get ahead of their rivals in developing digital services. Eventually, it's all about the brands, including Virgin Money, ME Bank and BOQ, and they'll all be on the same systems. This was a fairly recent announcement. Uh, Tim, let's go to you first. Bank of Queensland, what are your thoughts? Um, for us, it's a buy and valuation, but I, I don't know why you wouldn't just buy one of the bigger players. Um, it reports on 12th of October, which is pretty soon, so you know, uh, maybe wait for that. Um, uh, obviously, it's a small player. It's it's more um, you know more focused towards um, uh, Queensland uh, with a bias to retail banking. Queensland in general, the house prices and mortgages lag the national averages. Um, it's just, it's more of a bank in general story. You know, the risk to banking is obviously falling house prices, lower volumes and risks of rising impairments. We think that the lower volumes is probably the main risk at the moment. Um, in April, they did report a small contraction in the net interest margin. Um, but that, that's a similar story from all the banks is that the competition is just ramping up. You know, Macquarie Bank, Judo Bank, all these other guys, Athena, they're really sort of um, competing here uh, and crushing margins. Um, on the bull side, look, it, look, it, it's probably looking pretty good here. With the rising interest rate, it's supposed to be an inflation hedge. Um, the tech synergies across ME Bank and all those things are all good. Um, the PE on about nine times is good, especially compared to like a CBA. But some of the other players like ANZ, it, it's pretty on par. So when we think about banking, it's about scale. So you probably want to go with a bigger player, right? I mean, the, the major banks have a competitive advantage on size. The smaller guys have to have a higher cost of capital. They have to compete on lower margins. Um, so it just doesn't really make sense to go Bendigo. Um, maybe Bendigo, uh, oh, sorry, maybe Queen, Bank of Queensland merges with Bendigo. They've, they've made no noises of interest on that. But it's a buy pure in valuation, but, but I'd probably go with the hands Yeah, talk to me about the five-year share price. I mean, it's down 46%. Yeah, that's right. Well, a lot of the banks haven't done very well at all. And these guys... Well, it's just, I think it's, it's just becoming a very, very competitive environment. Like I saw in the news recently that you know, the, the mortgage rates are rising, but they're, they're not paying higher interest on banks, so on, on bank deposits. That's probably a good strategy for these guys, but it's just, it's just big old world um, companies that are mature. Um, maybe the tech stuff makes this difference, but besides that, BOQ is just lagged, just a bit of a dog, but it looks cheap on valuation now. Okay, Philip, what do you think? Look, I agree it looks cheap on valuation and it pays a good dividend unit at about 6%. Uh, I think it's a hold though, because they last reported in April, as Tim said, where they experienced a decline in the net interest margin. They're yet to report, so they'll report in October. Since then, we've had numerous interest rate rises and a lot of concerns uh, creeped into the property market. Is the consumer um, over leverage, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of uh, new information to come out 
uh, in a few weeks time. So I would actually wait for that despite it being cheap. Uh, I would also prefer the larger players because I mean they are trying to get scale, uh, the economies of scale without having to scale the larger banks, which is easier said than done. I think consensus is actually pricing that in, hence the stock looks cheap. Uh, the risk is to delays and to the downside. So I, I would at least uh, wait for the uh, August result, which will be out in October. So for me, it's a hold. Uh, if you need to own the banks, buy a bigger one. Uh, but for this one, despite being cheap, I would actually wait and see what they report uh, in, a, in a few weeks' time and if they give an outlook statement. Okay. Well, let's summarise the first five stocks and the stock of the day. Of course, the stock of the day was Star Entertainment. Its shares are in a hold at the moment. Uh, but Philip says sell based on negative sentiment. There's easier way to make money. Uh, Tim says sell just too hard. So that's a definite no for our stock of the day, which is Star Entertainment. Certainly front page of the news today. Uh, let's go to stock one, Grain Corp. Uh, Philip, it's a hold. It's a, he says it's had a good run. It's been a bumper winter crop, but for now, a hold. Tim agrees with him, a hold as well. It's hard to predict earnings in the future. The only reason it's not a sell is the UK and Russian war. That's in his view. Uh, let's go to Peninsula Energy. Philip says buy a decision on feasibility could be faster than thought and uh, it's looking good. But for Tim, it's a hold. He says it's a little bit risky. It's possibly five years before it's producing. So still in the feasibility stage. So a hold. So a bit of a disagreement there between Philip and Tim. Let's move on to gold. Uh, Philip, a hard no. It's hard to predict. Uh, and Tim, a hold. Yeah, very hard to predict and just uh, not the right thing to invest in right now. If you knew what you were doing, you'd do it. But otherwise, stay clear. Uh, Silver Lake Resources. Philip says it's a buy. has a very strong balance sheet. It's got a share buyback, putting the floor under the share. Price. Tim disagrees. Tim says it's a hold. It has a strong balance sheet, probably some value, but at the moment it's a hold. Go with one of the big players if you're going to. Okay, Bank of Queensland. Uh, Philip says it's a hold. They're yet to report, and since then we've seen multiple interest rate rises. Uh, while Tim says it's a buy, but you know if you're going to do it, probably buy one of the bigger players. It is a very competitive industry, but he's still saying buy. Um, so certainly a little bit of uh, disagreement between our uh, visitors today, which is what we like to see. We like all sorts of opinions. So. Let's move on. And the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbiz.com. So let's check in with that portfolio update. So heading into, well, we're in September, Universal Store, Next DC, the Lottery Corps, ResMen and Oz Minerals, they were all removed uh, at the start of the month. Karoon Energy, Boss Resources, Washington H. Soul Pats, Premier Investments and South 32 were added. Uh, let's see how the portfolio is performing. So far, our fund is 4.69% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March the 1st. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Welcome back and let's take a look at our next five stocks. We have Elders, the A2 Milk Company, Noble Oak Life, Len Lease Group and Serve Corp. Some great stocks there. Uh, first, number six is Elders and that's an Australian agribusiness company that provides products and services to primary producers both in Australia and New Zealand. Now, a lot of analysts have been pretty positive about the company lately. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts? Um... So I think, you know, similar to the Grand Corp story, you know, it's, it's cyclical. Um, we've actually got it for, as a sell or lighten off. So they've had an incredible run. Um, it's consumer defensive. It's it's alliance of farmers. If farmers are doing good or bad, that's that's basically their, their fate. And at the moment, farmers are doing great. Um, La Nina is obviously is a positive. Food shortages is obviously a positive. It does have some annuity type um, uh, characteristics with their insurance arm, but for us that, that China foot and mouth disease thing, that scared the bejeebas out of us. That yeah. ended up being a false alarm. But if that was to actually happen, that would that would devastate this company. So for us, it's just, it's the same same as Grand Cop. It's probably a light enough to sell, um, but when, you know? So, you know, on the metrics, it looks cheap because the EBITDA has shot up so hard. It's had such a strong run. On a PE of 12.1 times, you know, looks pretty good, right? But given it's so elevated, you've got to realise that the risks are now to the downside. and. 
And farming is, is just one of those things where, you know, you could have weather, you could have drought, you could flooding, you could have bushfires. Sometimes the commodity prices stay high, but you can't just, you just can't produce volume. So very low control of revenues, um, a cyclical trading stock, it's up now, you've made, you know, tons of money, really think about lighting off here. Yeah, it would be pretty devastating if that hand, foot and mouth um, came to Australia for all those companies. Uh, Philip, what are your thoughts? I think it's a strong buy. A strong buy. I, I, I think it's one of the most controversial stocks that I cover in terms of how, um, how many people look at it and how many people don't understand how non-cyclical it is. Okay. Um, so if we I agree with um, most things Tim said, it is leveraged to Australian agriculture. It is diversified. It is all around Australia. So you might get a bushfire in Victoria, but you don't necessarily get one in Western Australia. Yep. You might get a flood in New South Wales. You don't necessarily get it in Queensland. Uh, it does farm input products, farm output products financial services, cattle trading, wool trading, uh, different you know, banking uh, insurance. So it, it does multiple products to multiple farmers in multiple states. So it's a lot more diversified than, than people think. It is having a good year. What amazes me is that Grain Corp has upgraded three times, mm -hmm. double, you know, forecasting double its profits. Nobody's worked out that Elders has got a strong result coming up. They've given guidance 30 to 40%. It's pretty clear from what their peers are saying that they're tracking top end of guidance. The data is out there. People are ignoring it because they're arguing conditions have peaked, conditions have peaked. Um, conditions actually, or the crop actually peaked two years ago and Elders has grown its earnings by 30% compound since then. So conditions have peaked, but they still keep growing. If you look at the last seven years since the current management's been in charge, their EBIT has grown by 30% per annum over that time. It's never gone backwards or it went, it declined by 1% once. So two years of drought, two years of bump crops, bushfire, foot and mouth disease, all this stuff's been thrown at it and its earnings have never gone backwards. So people keep telling me it's cyclical. I'm like, well, show me the history, show me where this cyclicality has actually been delivered in the results because the company's actually grown. So the way they've done that is through market share gains, what they call backwards integration and through acquisition. So market share gains, Elders was once in Bad Bank, you know, mm -hmm. they were in the press for all the wrong reasons. They lost a lot of market share to what was then Landmark and Rural Co. Since then, those two brands have merged. It's the bush, they support the little guy. Elders is now the little guy, the little, the little company, along yep. with all the independents. So they're winning back some of that market share. So to some extent, conditions can go backwards, they can still grow market share. Secondly, they've made great acquisitions in um, Titan Ag and Air, where they've been able to um, sell their own product, either manufacture more of their own products and keep the gross margin for the same level of sales, or sell their products through a broader network. Doesn't matter what's happening in the industry conditions, they're, they're growing their earnings uh, by backward integration. And thirdly, and this is what people forget, M&A. So part of their strategy is to grow through M&A. They, they loosely say they target five to 10% per annum EBA growth, roughly half organically, half through uh, M&A. Uh, so what I, what I say to some people is, it wouldn't be terrible if ag conditions fell into heat because then they can buy all these cheap businesses because people who grew up on the farms uh, and worked in, in the areas are having the issue that their children don't want to go into the business. So who do you sell to? Your kids are living in the city, going to city schools, want a city job. So companies like Elders and their competitors are buying these businesses for lower multiples than they're trading at. So if there was a downturn in the ag cycle, then that puts theoretically a whole bunch more businesses for Elders to, to buy. So the EBIT doesn't actually go backwards in a downturn. So for me, this is a strong buy and they're a September year end, so they will report in November. What typically happens with ag is people focus on the June reporting companies through August. That's now largely done. We now turn to the July and September reporter. So ag will get a whole bunch of attention coming into the results. And I think you'll find the elders result will be strong and they'll give strong guidance for FY23 where the market's got them declining. And I just don't see it happening. So I think uh, it's Tim, buy. tell me why you disagree with Philip so much. Uh, I think over the longer term, you know, that, that probably does have a little bit more cyclicality to it. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the China risk to us, that was enough to really rattle us. I mean, I know the market didn't react to it very much, but if that was to happen, that would just be absolutely devastating to the company. And so given how hard it's run, that was enough for us to, to really pause and think, okay, let's take some profits and, and move into something else. So um, I agree it's a fantastic company. And I agree that, you know, given, given what Australia does, it's perfectly positioned for all that stuff. But same thing with, with the war in Ukraine pushing up prices you know, what's the next thing that pushes up prices? You know, I think the war's not gonna end anytime soon, but if it was to end, 
and you know Ukraine and Russia to flood the market again, the commodity prices are going to fall. So it's just a question mark of are you betting on this to continue forever or not? And at some point you would look to lighten off. But yeah, great company for sure. Uh, Philip, does the whole hand, foot and mouth uh, disease potentially scare you? It's certainly sold a lot of newspapers. Big headlines, <laughs> 80 billion could be wiped out. Uh, the analysis I did showed that we've, foot and mouth has been in several countries for numerous years, for like the last hundred years. Uh, different parts of Asia, uh, parts of the US, the UK, countries that Australia trades with and it's never hit our shores. Um, I went and visited uh, one of the ships from Indonesia that visited Sydney over the weekend. You step on the foot baths and mm -hmm. you wash your shoes and yep. you know, no harm done. So we've drawn so much attention to this um, that the precautionary measures have all been taken. So this isn't the first time foot and mouth disease has hit the world, um, but we're all on alert, we're on high alert, we're all watching. The Indonesians have received the vaccines and government support and they're now dealing with it. Um, we've seen in the short term some live exports slow to Indonesia because they don't want to bring in expensive cattle to a potentially contaminated region, but it's never come out on our shores. So, so you think reports of a traveller coming from Bali and it being on their shoes is a bit... Even if it did, so the worst case scenario was that um, basically wiping out the whole east coast before anybody knew it was happening. Mm -hmm. Very, very low probability. Sells a lot of newspapers, but very low probability. So it's still a very strong buy from Absolutely. you. Okay, let's move on to stock number seven from Jeremy, and it's the A2 Milk Company. It is, of course, the baby formula and milk company. And the most recent news is the release of a positive update on its Chinese product registration. Its share price is now up over 15% since this time last month. Uh, Tim, let's go to you. What do you think of this company? Uh, I'd probably be put A2 in the too hard basket. Um, if you don't like risk, it's certainly a sell, but for us, it's a hold, just as long as you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, you know, we all know the A2 story. They're, they're in a very competitive market. Um, they're, they're facing margin squeezes. They're facing the supply chain issues, Diagon Channel and all that sort of stuff. On a, um, on a value, on a, a P, forward P around 28 to 30 times, it's not cheap, not, not even a remotely cheap. Uh, but what we do like about it is like the brand name clearly has some value to it. Reporting was very strong, showed a strong recovery. The Chinese, you know, the Chinese, have, the foreign brands in China have prestige due to the extra regulation. Obviously, they had they had the controversies back in the day around formula milk. They do have other growth opportunities outside of China, so Malaysia, Singapore, and Vietnam. They're opening up new product lines into the U.S. Um, for us, it, it's too risky to be a buy, but if you're already in it and you realise it's risky and happy to hold it, um, I would say, you know, the, the A2 moniker, the A2 itself is actually useless. There's no science behind it. It's the lack of the A1 protein, so all milk has A2. Um, Lactose-free milk is probably the better choice. Uh, on an EV EBITDA around 15 times, it is very, it's up there. So all of this growth is already priced in. Um, but happy to hold. Just just be aware it's risky. Okay, Philip, do you think it's risky? No, absolutely. I have it as a sell. Um, I, I would suggest so. For everything Tim said, uh, any good news is largely in the price. There's not a lot of upside versus consensus estimates. All, all the good news seems to be factored in. We know relations between Australia and China aren't the best at the moment. We know registration can take longer than, than people expect. Uh, we saw earlier share prices had a nice little bounce it comes for me it's in the too hard basket there's easier ways to make money it was once a market darling no longer is so um talk to it, me about why it's too hard you're there's more competition mm -hmm. there's input costs going up uh there's uh chinese are facing uh reducing uh birth rates they've got rising cost pressures as well so the propensity for them to trade down to cheaper brands might occur as well um it's just, just easier ways to make money. And um, where, where's the upside? Um, how can they, to gain market share, they have to spend more. As Tim said, it's a very competitive market. It's had a nice little bounce uh, at current multiples. It's fair value at best. So where, where's the upside to own it from here? There probably isn't, area, isn't many. In a market where there's many cheap stocks, I would um, refresh the capital into something that's cheaper, one of the stocks we spoke about earlier. Okay, Asel, do you agree? Uh, I know you said hold, Tim. Um, but only, you know, if, if it's worthwhile holding in, you can, otherwise it's sell? Yeah, it's like I said, it, it's high risk. If you're, if you're looking for high risk stuff and you're a growth investor and you're a long-term investor, you could hold it. But for the, for the everyday um, sort of mum and dad, it's certainly not a good stock to hold. But 
Um, you know, you look at the chart, right? It's been absolutely smashed to oblivion. It's not going to get back up there. You know, it's, you have to forget about it. At the current situation, it's it's certainly um, fully, well, not fully priced, but highly priced. Mm -hmm. But they're doing the right things to justify that fee in terms of those growth expansions and new brands and all that sort of stuff. So it's just, I think it comes down to, does the A2 brand hold that weight? Because it, it is a very prestigious it and sexy brand. It is a very, brand. very strong brand. Yeah. They've done very good marketing around it. So it, it really comes down to that, that brand name, whether that can, can, can penetrate these new markets. Okay. Stock number eight is Noble Oak Life, which is an independent APRA-regulated Australian life insurance company. Uh, it has a 144-year history. Let's go to you first, Philip. Buy, hold or sell? I like it. I think it's a buy. Uh, it floated a year ago, so it's a relatively new company. Uh, it is, oh, sorry, new to the boards. It's been around for over 100 years. Uh, it is growing material market share. So as I mentioned earlier, the Hain Inquiry um, really shone a, a pretty negative light on the insurance and, and financial services industry in Australia. They were the only insurer not named in the inquiry. They are very clean and they are award winning. Um, life insurance, income protection, they sell life insurance and income protection products. They are essential products. With, with property values the way they are, with mortgage rates that, with the way they are, most families have got some sort of life insurance to cover their loved ones should they die and someone has to pay the mortgage or should they not work. So it is an essential service. Um, during the Hain inquiry, it's a $17 billion industry in terms of premiums in life insurance. The direct component is about 11 bill. Uh, the rest is, is through group life. Um, the industry lost trust. So people st stopped renewing their policies or you know chose not to renew with the name written in the press for the wrong reasons. Um, We've APRA stepped in, uh, parts of the industry were bleeding a lot of money, income protection was bleeding a billion dollars per annum because uh, A, people were charging uh, aggressive prices to win business and B, it became politically correct or socially acceptable to claim for mental health, so people did. So at the same time you had prices falling, uh, you had premiums going up, you had comp uh, customers re uh, removing themselves from, from the industry because they just weren't happy with what they were reading in the press. So mm -hmm. the industry got a black eye. We're through that now. The regulator has stepped in. A lot of those plays have merged or sold. Um, the industry is returning to growth. So for the year to March, premiums grew 5%, which is better than the decline in the PCP. The industry is now profitable. Uh, Noble Oak grew 40%. Wow. 40. Yeah. So not by a little bit, they beat a lot. They're small, they're 2% market share. Um, but they're a large percentage of new business, like 18 to 20% of new business. So they are benefiting from being an award-winning, good service providing life insurance company um, who wasn't written up in the Hain Inquiry. And that growth is expected to continue for at least the next three years before they even make a dent in the larger players. And, and the best bit is, life insurers benefit from rising interest rates because their investments are invested in cash and fixed interest securities. Interest rates go up, they make a greater return on investment. So there's quite, a, and it's cheap, so there's quite a few reasons to like um, Noble Oak. I think it's a buy. Uh, Tim, is it a buy from you? Uh, for us, we've got it as a sell. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, you think about all the banks that have basically sold off their insurance arms overseas, and it's because of all the issues they've been having. So. Yeah, this is a uh, you know, direct insurer. They don't pay commissions to advisors. Uh, so their distribution lines are Budget Direct, RAC and Heritage Bank. Um, market cap 154 million, quite small. The reporting was great. Number of policies up 33%. Um, uh, premiums up, net profit after tax is up 35%. Uh, but they did say their new business was down. Um, so for us, the, the good side is you know, rising bond yields, good for them, investment portfolio. But outside of that, I don't, I don't think personal insurance, people count that as um, essential. Uh, if anything, as real wages fall and houses told to come under pressure, you know the first one, first one on the chopping board is trauma insurance, right? Um, and people just don't. Well, the reason why insurance has to be sold is because people really don't see the value in it. Um, they have to be talked into it. Um, and when you know on a P of 12.3 times, book to value of 1.3, during bearish times it, it goes back to book to value. That's where it's drifting now. So. When you have insurance, you need scale, you need large companies, and these guys are just too small. Um, they, they should probably consolidate, maybe has upside on a takeover, but being a, being a very little insurer is probably a bad thing in a time when the industry is more consolidating. Um, and yeah, just insurance in general, they just couldn't, they weren't making profits, and hence why a lot of the big players just got out. So for us, it's, it's too small. Uh, Tim Phillips said, you know, they're the only insurer not named in the recent Hain inquiry. That doesn't give you increased confidence? 
No, it's, it's irrelevant. You know, it's personal insurance. Personal insurance is pretty straightforward. Um, you know, the, the, some of the changes they've made to insurance to make them more profitable, like like the mental health thing that that he said, it's it's that's the problem. It's too much claiming on it, um, and the premium increases aren't in line with it. So, uh, I think that being a small player, it's just very very tough for these guys. If, and they've got to win new business in the current environment, right? As interest rates rise, that's going to get harder and harder. So it'll, it'll be tough times for them. Uh, Philip, having heard from Tim about his points, do you take any of those on board? Yeah, the bits that I don't agree with is the, the issues the larger players have had, uh, exactly why Noble is benefiting. So the larger players were forced to sell because mm. I won't name names, but there were larger companies continuing to charge people who had died a premium. So can you imagine, you hear that story, first thing you do is go and check your insurance policy if you're with that company saying, do I want to be with this company? Yeah. person died, they continue to charge them a premium, so you do the switch. Uh, there's a reason why Noble Oak doesn't sell through financial advisors. So financial advisors, their numbers have fallen. Um, a lot of them have been managed out of the industry through additional trading through usual stuff. Um, advisors often get an upfront commission and a trail commission. The upfronts are much higher. so. Every two years, you might get a phone call saying, hey, we've got a new product for you, so let's keep switching and switching. And every time you switch, you need a blood test, a health check. So that yeah. annoys people. It does. Uh, so that's one reason why the consumer got annoyed with the industry. By going direct, by selling online, by having good customer feedback, you're not bothering people and you're less likely to churn. Um, so I expect them to continue to better from that. And I, I kind of disagree. Insurance, picture the situation where someone has a $2 million property, a $1 million mortgage, and your partner dies, what do you do? Mm. Tell me insurance isn't essential in that situation, two kids at school. Insurance, if you're overly ge or heavily geared, as many Australians are at the moment, is actually an essential service. Um, and often it needs to be explained why people need it. Because uh, the easiest thing is, well, if I die, I'm dead. So, well, what about your partner, mm. male, female? What do they do? How do they take care of two kids, sell like a life insurance salesman. I think it's, it's more, it's more non-discretionary yes. than people realise. Yeah. And at the moment, we've got full employment, um, so people don't worry about it so much. But what if there's a downturn? These interest rate rises are designed to get an outcome. So what if you can't work? Um, what if you're overgeared? What if you've got a, a car loan as well as a home loan? Wealth management is about risk management, and I think this is an essential service. It is. It, it grows at least in proportion to the population. Our population is ageing, and as people do their estate planning, they start to think about these things. So I actually think um, I'm stronger for longer. I think they'll be a beneficiary. And there might be some M&A. Um, it won't come from the Australians who've been forced to sell. It might come from um, some of the offshore players who like what's happening to the market and how it's restructured. But to address Tim's concern about scale, a lot of their risk is reinsured away to the, the big reinsurers globally. So they don't need the scale because they leverage someone else's balance sheet. Their skill set is processing claims, managing claims, being good with their customers, providing support when they need it, um, and taking a margin um, off the premium where probably a lot of it goes to the reinsurers who the risk is on their balance sheet, not on theirs. So that's how they get scale that perhaps um, a bigger player um, misses out because of extra costs that they don't have. So a definite buy from you, but a sell from yeah. Tim. All right, let's move on to stock nine that John wants to know about. Uh, it's the Lend Lease Group, of course, the multinational construction property and infrastructure company. Now, ongoing impacts of COVID had hindered its performance of the 22 financial year, but it's refreshed its leadership and the structure of the organisation. Uh, Tim, what do you think of Lend Lease? Um, for us, it's a sell. We, we just don't like the construction development industry at the moment. Um, it's just very scary at times to be um, aligned for that uh, sort of thing. You know, Lend Lease is a shell of its old self. It used to be like West Farmers. They used to have MLC and an engineering arm. They've, they've sold them off. Um, when we think about you know what's happened recently, like the pro build collapse, you know, whenever these things collapse, there's always others out there. Uh, property developers have pretty lumpy cash flow. It's pretty scary. Um, we know that you know builders are having issues with rising costs and labour and all that sort of stuff. Now during COVID, the government backstopped bankruptcies and supported households. But that that support's coming to an end now. So when we look at it at the moment, 19 times EBITDA. Uh, oh, sorry, 19 times PE EBITDA around 12 times. It looks it looks okay, but you know, there's a lot of downside risk in a lend lease. Um, for us, there's upside if everything goes well. If everything's fine, uh, you know, we continue to have full employment and, build, and building and construction stays strong, that's good. But uh, I think it's just too unlikely. Uh, for us, it's, it's probably a contrarian buy at peak rates, but we're not even remotely confident enough to try and call peak rates. So for us, it's a sell. 
Uh, Philip, do you agree? Mostly, I, I would just rate it a hold, mm-hmm. um, but but for similar reasons because the, they've got pretty solid. Uh, a pretty solid outlook for FY24 in terms of development profits coming through. I think it's about $7 billion or so coming through in FY24, according to consensus. 40% of their book is in uh, apartments. That does worry me. But I think the stock is on slightly on the cheap side versus consensus. There's probably a 15% return in it from here. So it's not a table-thumping return, but it's not expensive like um, or fully priced like an A2 milk. So for me, it's a hold because the best-case scenario isn't priced in. Uh, it's certainly not a must-own, um, but I, I, I would consider it a hold and use it as a funding source if you found something better. Because it, it, the positives are there's a decent outlook for two years, and in this market where many companies aren't giving a 12-month outlook statement, someone who, who's able to give a, sort of a two-year outlook statement that is a positive, uh, but for me, for me, it's a hold. Certainly not a buy, and use it as a funding source if you um, found something better to invest in. Okay, all right. Well, let's look at our last stock, and it's from Jacob. It's ServeCorp. It's a multinational organisation that sells serviced and virtual offices, co-working spaces, meeting rooms, and IT services. Uh, Philip, let's hear from you. I think it's a buy. It's um, the cheapest stock I cover, it's a uh, 300 odd mil market cap with $100 million cash in the bank. One third of its market cap is in cash. Uh, it generates about 20% of its market cap in free cash flow each year. Uh, it's got a 6% dividend yield and um, it's, it's definitely, a, a, I hate using this phrase, a, a recovery <laughs> trade. You know, we're all waiting for the recovery trade, but you know, we are going back to the offices. Uh, Surfcorp offers a flexible workspace model. That is the new model. Um, you know, the demand for uh, small companies to want you know, um, longer term, large office space uh, is lesser these days because of the uncertainty. So Surfcorp offers the ability to take out 12 month leases uh, on a per office space and to add more uh, office capacity when you need to or take it away when you need to. And there's various reports put out um, by some of the global property players saying demand for service offices is growing because of the flexibility. Surfcorp's currently at 72% occupancy. Uh, as it goes from 72 to 80% as the world reopens and gets back to normal. A company already producing a lot of cash will produce a lot more cash. Uh, they grew during COVID, didn't go backwards. Uh, their operating cash flow was up 55, 60% despite COVID impacts. Uh, again, one of the few companies to give guidance, but they're expecting profit before tax to be up mid-teens this year um, after a solid performance last year. So recurring revenue business growing producing a lot of cash. Uh, I like it. It's single digit PE. It's nearest comparable in the UK. It's a company called IWG Limited. It's on twice the multiples, two times. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a four billion market cap company over there that could swallow Surfcorp if the founder wanted to sell, which he doesn't. Um, But it's on half the multiple of its comps and many of its comps like WeWork, which is sure most people heard of WeWork, is losing a billion dollars per annum. It's a no brainer um, to own some Surfcorp. I think this price is very cheap with a strong outlook. Uh, Tim, do you agree? Um, I, I agree. Uh, I agree on valuation. Yeah, it looks like a buy. We've got as a hold. Um, it's an interesting idea, you know, service offices for small players. You pay $50 a month to, to be able to put an address on uh, your website, and then you only pay extra if you physically go in. So, a very good model. Um, they're very diversified 150 locations, 41 cities, 20 countries. Um, you know, it's, it's a small business, it's capital light business. It's a great idea for the current environment, work from home. and you see job ads now. You can, you know, work from anywhere for a company interstate. It's fine. Um, we certainly think that service offices should pick up, and it did initially rally into COVID. Right. The problem we have is that a lot of the big players are also starting to do this as well. So uh, you know, they're converting whole levels into um, short-term leases and that sort of thing. Dexus is doing. All the other big players are looking at it. Um, it's a small fish versus the big guys. If the big guys continue this trend, on a PE of nine point seven, it's it's cheap. The yield is very attractive. It's currently on an EBIT margin of 15%, which is really good. The question we have is, can they maintain it if the competition continues to ramp up? Um, Everyone's gonna rotate to the A-grade properties and all the B-grade stuff is probably gonna do this sort of thing. So for us, it's it's a hold, happy to hold it. Um, I agree, it looks cheap. 
Okay. Well, let's sum summarise the second half of the show. You maybe you agreed a bit more, maybe you didn't. Let's go back and have a look. Uh, we have Elders, of course. That was our uh, sixth stock. Uh, Philip said it's a strong buy, one of the most controversial stocks. It's non-cyclical. Weather events are not just, um, you know, in Sydney, but they can also be in Brisbane, and they're not in the same place at the same time. Uh, Tim says a sell, uh, a bit of concern about foot and mouth. Um, yeah, so definitely... Very opposite opinions there. We had a bit of banter, but yeah, Philip a buy, Tim a, a sell. Let's go to the A2 Milk Company. Philip said a sell, not a lot of upside. The good news is already factored in. Uh, while Tim said a hold, a very competitive market, supply chain issues, but the brand name is strong. It's too risky for a buy, but if you're in it, could be worthwhile holding. All right, the next stock is Noble Oak Life. Uh, Philip said a buy, a relatively new listed company. Uh, they were the only insurer not named in the recent Hain inquiry. Uh, Tim disagrees. He says sell as wages fall and households come under pressure. Insurance is one of the things to go. Uh, people will have to be talked into it. So differing opinions about Noble Oak Life. Uh, Lend Lease Group. Philip says hold. The stock is slightly on the cheap side, but best case scenario isn't priced in. There's a decent outlook for the next two years. Uh, Tim says sell. It's a shell of its old self. Builders have rising costs, labour shortages, government support is ending. And uh, Servcorp is our last one. Now, Philip says buy. Demand for service officers is growing. The world is reopening and they actually grew during COVID. While Tim says it's a hold, it's a good model. It's a very diverse business, but can they maintain it? So I don't actually think we had one agreements there, but that's, uh, that's what we like, isn't it? Any uh, final thoughts, Philip, on today's stocks? No, I think it was a good debate. Uh, Fav favourite stock out of those 10? Oh, if I had to pick one only because it's reporting soon, I'd say Elders surprise okay. on the upside. Uh, yeah. Tim, anything more to add? And what's your favourite stock out of those 10 today? My favourite, oh, I don't know. Uh, I, think, I, I think A2 Milk is one of the most controversial ones. I put it the same with Domino's, so um, I, probably, I probably don't love it, but it's, I find it mo one of the most interesting ones. Okay, well, Philip and Tim, we really appreciate your insights today. Uh, much appreciated. And that is our show for today. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, thecall at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us at TV. And a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the call's portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Now, coming up next on is Small Cap, Steve Johnson from Forager Funds. But if that is the call for today, I will be back with another 10 stocks tomorrow. I'll see you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.